0: So the new camera is fucking amazing. <clears throat> it's so amazing. The file sizes are massive, and this laptop can't handle the 4K size. It, it, it literally will not drag and drop into, like, iMovie. So I ordered a new computer a couple weeks ago. I think it will be here in, like, the first or second week of July. So probably about a month from now, I'll be able to actually start using it which is kind of disheartening, but it, it literally will not fit. That's what she said. The first episode, and I you can't see, there's a camera up here. I got a 4K camera. So this is, congratulations, sir. You are in the first hey. 4K episode. I don't know how the fuck it's going to work, if it's even going to work. But, um... Yeah, so... I love it. Yeah, man. So, everybody listen. This is episode 481. And, um... Before we even get into it, so your mom was a dancer Uh, and a prostitute for Jack Ruby, who killed Lee Harvey Oswald, who killed President John F. Kennedy.
1: This is correct. That might be the most
0: insane intro to a podcast I've done to date.
1: Well, you know, I mean, it. Uh, you had some fucking interesting guests, brother. I mean, I'm not gonna bullshit you, right? So, uh, you know, I get up at two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, man, I gotta see what tom has got going. Thanks,
0: <laughs> man. That, that means a after- lot. Hey, for everybody listening, well, introduce yourself, man.
1: All right, man. My name is J.R. Kessel. Um, I am the son of Custer Kessel and Virginia Kessel my mother was a dancing girl and a lady of the evening for Jack Ruby. And, you know, the dad, the the father figure in my life happened to be an enforcer for, uh, boom, boom, Rosario Maceo, the godfather of the Gulf Coast mafia. So, you know, it was, uh, Interesting life, you know, before there was growing up Gotti, it was, uh, you know, growing up Kessel. And actually, the name is Koseljevic, Serbian.
0: That's insane. And, hey, for all, just just, to, just to make this clear, I, uh, to everyone listening, I wasn't saying that when I opened that. I wasn't saying that disparagingly. Anyway. I think that's fucking I awesome. I think that's fucking awesome, your mom's lady of the eating for Root. That's insane. That's awesome. Dude. I'm going to tell you what, you know, and to be
1: honest with you, Tommy, it's not like, uh, you know, this is outside of my wife and just the the family. This is the first time I've ever discussed this with anyone. I mean, you Thank were you like, know. you know, hey, man, you got the exclusive. But um, thanks, man. seriously, I mean, it was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've, I've been, been following you for a while and I was like, you know, this cat right here has really got it going on. And I mean, I think throw right. something, you know, I could add something to the mix. I Absolutely. mean, you know, you know Dude. we've got astronauts, we've got Delta Force operators, you know, we've Fucking got... throw it in. <laughs> throw in you know, J.R. Kessel. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man, you know, uh, the dad, my father's actual name, Serbian name, was Konstantin Kosiljevic.
0: That's so bad.
1: And they could not, my grandparents immigrated over here. Oh, hell, man, right after... 1900, uh, my grandmother immigrated in through Galveston Island and my grandfather through Ellis Island. So is that, you know, as time progresses, my grandfather ends up on Galveston Island, which was a huge hub for uh, Serbian people. I mean, it was a real big hub. And he was one of the guys that, uh, you know, ended up building the seawall there in Galveston after the 1900 storm. So he was part of that project and raising the island and everything. And then, you know, come April 3rd of 1912, Konstantin Kashevich was born to this world.
0: Your dad was born. Your dad was born like five days. Let me look that up. I think you're, what, 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 you said it was 1912. What was the date?
1: April 3rd,
0: 1912. Let me hold on. Let's see. That was. 11 days before the Titanic sank.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, you know, it's, it's amazing, man. I mean, you know, the, the crazy shit of this is my dad came into the world and seen so many technological advances, you know, being born when he was, but the one thing he didn't see was cell phones and uh, things of that nature. I mean, hell, home computers were just starting to be a thing. He passed in 97. So it was, um, it was one of those situations where, um, you know, growing up in, in that household, it was very interesting, fuck to you. say the least.
0: Fuck yeah. Yeah, and so for everybody listening, so I didn't—I don't even remember what the episode was, but it was something brought up with um, with JFK, and you left a comment about—I uh, don't even remember, but it was something about JFK, and uh, we just— Yeah, yeah, shit, yeah. And you were like, man, if I could tell you some stuff off—and I was like, well, hold the fuck, and I was like—I was like— <laughs> because because sometimes sometimes people will lead with that but then they're just blue balling you and you contact them you're like what do you have to say they're like oh um they send you like a conspiracy link you're like why are you wasting my time but some people are like some people have a story and more guests not more guests than not but i would say we're probably at like 10 or 11 guests now of people who have been commenting on videos or something and like you i was just like do you want to come on and tell the story? And they're like, "Fuck yeah, sure." sure. So yeah, man. Fuck yeah,
1: yes. yeah.
0: So you told me that, and I was like, "Well, fuck yeah." I, I, I you know, and I'm like, "All right, uh, let's let's do it." And that's, absolutely. that's insane, man. That's so you're kind of like a you're kind of like a rated R, like Forrest Gump in a way, right? You're like in the yeah. right spots at the right time, like the family members. It's like,
1: oh, that's insane. Yeah, it's. Um... You know, it's, uh, I tell you, my mother ended up, uh, she left Dallas and wound up down in new Orleans, you know? So obviously Ruby was connected, uh, in the, uh, bent nose world as they want to say it. So, you know, she wound up down in new Orleans and lo and behold, she ends up with one of Carlos Marcello's boys. And, uh, from everything that I've been able to gather over the years and family members, he was apparently pretty brutal fucking dude. And he was beating the shit out of her on the regular. Mm -hmm. Well, my mother being part German, part American Indian, you know, the temper, (laughs) the temper flares and she lit his ass up and gave him from everything that she ended up telling me before she passed. Uh She gave him a dose of nine lead injections, Jesus. and he wound up dying in the hospital. And she went on the run. Wait, now
0: so your your mom injected him with lead?
1: Yeah, yeah, That's twenty-two odd. caliber lead.
0: Oh, oh, uh, I'm, I'm yeah, a moron. Yeah. If you can't tell, I'm a moron. I'm like, where'd she get lead injections? You're like, it was a gun. It was a gun, you moron. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. it's dude, you, you can tell yeah. how stupid I because Dale will be like, you know had to go consult with some enemies. I'm like, what'd you say? And he's like, I shot him in the face and I'm like, oh <laughs> it's, it's,
1: Exactly, yeah. you know, it was a short conversation. So <laughs> but so
0: can you can you for for me at least I actually have never heard of of that Carlo I have never heard of that. I've never heard of his Carlos
1: name. Marcello. Marcello Marcello Can you
0: can you give us he a little the, background on him?
1: Uh yeah, he was the godfather of uh, the New Orleans mafia. And, you know, uh, shit, I'm trying to think of the guy's name, the, the, uh, the attorney that went after, uh, God damn it. Oh, his name was Clay. He went after the guy They claimed that shot, shot the conspiracy to kill Kennedy. And it all, all revolved around a bunch of people from down in New Orleans Uh, and everything else. Yeah. And, um,
0: isn't that the movie JFK is about?
1: Exactly. Yeah. The one, uh, Oliver Stone did so yeah the uh my mother went on the run she got on a lamb and so between the time she leaves new orleans to the time she reaches her final destination there not not final but where she wound up at was galveston island mm-hmm. now let's kick back to my dad my dad was an enforcer for the uh for the maceos rosario they called him papa rose and um they they said he was a brutal son of a bitch. So I mean, you know, my old man ended up going to work for him. Dad was a ninth grade dropout. Uh, you know, you got a you got a mom, a dad, and several brothers sisters. Your dad is no longer able to work, and at the age of thirteen, he drops out of school. Well, yeah. Lo and behold, he went to work for a man named Nick Cantini. Cantini's grocery store. Okay. Uh, if you look it up on the on the web, Galston Island Cantonese grocery store, and now there's pictures of it and everything down there. But anyway, the old man, one of his buddies tells him, "Hey man, you don't got a job for you. You know if you want to do it." Which my dad was tall for his age. And what it was, it was driving a truck hauling off gambling equipment and shit across the island, going to Lamarck, Texas, and they'd stay over there after the damn Feds did their thing, and they'd wait for somebody to come and get them. So, you know, that's how he got set up with uh, Rosario. He was 13 years old when he started started working for him. As time progressed, um, you know, when we get off here, I'll shoot you some pictures. No man ended up joining the Navy. He joined the Navy. But, you know, you go from working for the mafia to being one of the first motorcycle police officers on Galveston Island. And <laughs> that, yeah, I know, man, it's wild. It's crazy. But he, uh, he did that for a couple of years and he said that the police officers that he was working with were just as dirty as the guys that he used to work with. And he left that shit and went back to work for Macy. Yeah. And, uh, his thing was, like I said, dad had no issue with killing somebody. That yeah. was no, no big deal for him. Uh, it, 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 he, was a, he was a highly intelligent guy for a ninth grade dropout. He spoke five languages fluently. I mean, he could Jeez. sit back in a room, crowded room full of people, and just, he always told me, he said, best way to learn is to keep your mouth shut and your ears open. Okay. He said, you'll find out more about what people are plotting and what they're going to do. And he did. And he was, like I said, he was good at what he'd done, but he got into the nightclub business and the, uh, prostitution business. That was his sideline. And, uh, now to tell you that my dad met my mother in one of his nightclubs or my mother ended up working for my dad in one of his nightclubs. That was one I never could get out of, out of my mom. Dad never spoke about the life very much. It was very, very, Minimal, okay, to say the
0: least. Okay, so yeah, okay, it's yeah, man. I feel like this is like a like a Greek mythology thing. Like you're born of these of these two powers, like Jack Ruby mob, and it blends together and creates you. Um, oh man! But I mean. But I mean that – I don't I – don't, I feel like that – I mean obviously I'm speaking as a 30-year-old born in 1990 who's known nothing but opportunity in private school. And so everything I'm talking about is roughly out of my ass. But I mean I feel like that wasn't that uncommon for that, that era where it was like yeah, you drop out because it's like you're in middle school or high school. You're not making any money. And it's just – it was very – black and white where it's just like drop out go get a job at a railroad go you know yeah. and you, you know, a lot of these guys their you know parents were world war ii vets and it was just like this is a life of hard knocks it was like fuck off work you're not making money you're eating but you're not providing food like you're a waste right now it's you know and exactly. It's and and i feel like that's Again, I can sit here and, and very idyllically and romantically be like, I would never pull the trigger. But I don't fucking know that. If I was born in 1912 and lived through World War I and the Great Depression and X, Y, and Z happens and you get a job and you go work as a cop and then they're as crooked as the other guys, but at least the other guys have like some sort of honor and they're paying you more and you're just like, fuck it. what? I could very well be that guy. And it's. I feel like it's probably more common than we think. Like, I feel like that's probably just, you just fucking did what you had to do.
1: Well, and you know, Tommy, that's the thing, you know, you, you sit here now at this day and time and you see, you know, you see, <clears throat> pardon me, you see the mob, you see this one going to jail, that one going to jail, this associate, that associate getting whacked. Um, one thing Mole man did instill in me, he said, you know, he said, believe it or not, he said, there is an honor in, in the life that I led. He said, you know, you didn't rat he said that was that was first and foremost. Yeah. You always went and done the job that you were tasked with doing. And um, he never once, other than being a police officer or sitting in a squad car, he never once went to jail. He never once got arrested. And, you know, for the audience out there, the best way not to get caught is do shit by yourself. Now mind you, disclaimer here. I'm not giving anybody any ideas We're not inciting violence, god,
0: we're not inciting violence, god damn it. No. I know you're watching YouTube. We are telling historical recollections exactly. of your of your background. We're not condoning anyone to do anything. I swear to God, if any of you go do something and get my podcast pulled, I will incite violence on you, god damn it. We're telling <laughs> hey, a story. Hey, go on.
1: We'll post my address, you know, and they
0: can come to they me. They can come to you. But, come to, uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: exactly he uh the old man sat right there and said he goes look the only way you're going to get caught is if you go and run your mouth plain and simple he said the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing unless the left right hand reaches over and tells the left hand grabs the left hand so yeah. you know that's uh we'll, we'll get to my portion of the life later on but the um the thing about it was he, he was a very honorable man i mean his word was his bond um The guy had all the riches a man could want or have, and, you know, he ends up giving it up for me. I mean, he got out of that life because I came into this world, you know, and I mean, he didn't want me to have any part of it. That was his, uh, you know, I guess that was his way of saying, you know, son, it's, uh, it's time to... (laughs) <laughs> Settle down a little bit. Of course, he does his shit like five or six years after I'm born. It's not not before I get here. But uh, yeah. the uh, the thing about it is, with like I said, we're gonna kick it on back over now. Give you a little little bit and piece here with my uh, my dad. My mom, she winds up in the old man's club. Yeah, like I said, can't tell you which one it was. It's neither here nor there. Huh. But Marcello, they find out where the old lady's at. Now, like with anything else, you know, they telephones were the communication of the day back then. My uncle was lieutenant detective. Now, I'm fixing to throw something out there and, him, you know, my cousins may end up disowning me. My, like I said, my uncle, he was a tough Brutal son of a bitch, man. He was he was that 1950s cop that would take his pistol out and just beat the living shit out of you. And hey, if you're a criminal, okay, you know what? You had it coming. Yeah. But uh, Uncle Louie, they find out somehow or another, and um they wind up, Uncle ends up meeting Marcello's boys. Yeah there before they get onto the island and turned around out now mind you maceo passed i believe in mid to late 50s so it was before i was born but the fertitas ended up taking over that portion of the uh, the island it was still running pretty hot and heavy but around mid 50s the US the the FBI, and everybody else, Justice Department got involved. So they they pretty much shut Galveston down, but you don't shut it completely down. And uh so like I said, you know, mom and dad, they ended up hooking up and uh here I here I come around nineteen sixty three. You know, hell it wasn't around nineteen sixty three, it was sixty-three. And, you know, the uh the whole thing is, man, my old man still ran the nightclubs. Uh, it was, it was an interesting life to say the least, Tommy. I mean, you know, being a little kid, we we just me and my wife just discovered. A big crate of pictures and we were going through these pictures hell two weekends ago we were in Biloxi, mississippi visiting a cousin of mine who served in the uh, army he served in the 101st from 60 to 63 and we're going through these pictures and shit there's pictures of my old man with his navy uniform on pictures of him with his police uniform on and there he is with his pinstripe suit his brand new car and looking all pimping and, and uh Shit! Then we find pictures of me standing on a pool table shooting pool, and I could have been no more, maybe two, three years old. And they were there's a lot of photos of me there at the nightclubs. <laughs> so it was, you know, it just kind of verifies the things that that was told. But you know, you don't you don't when you're that little, you don't remember a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, now, what all? What are your earliest memories of it? Like, how? Because you said he got out. <sighs> and then then he got got out and then went went back in or what are your yeah
1: okay well you know that's how I actually was talking with my cousin like I said two weeks ago and we were talking about this and his mother uh, my aunt Dolores she passed away in a house fire the the family home caught fire and she died from smoke inhalation there around uh, shit man I want to say 66 it was the same year that my sister got killed in a, uh, car wreck. Uh, and where, where the old man had one of his clubs, then my aunt Dolores had a club down on the corner. And I can literally remember bolting out the door, running down the sidewalk, just hauling ass, man. You know, I'm, I'm moving. I hear the old man, where are you going? Where are you going? Dee 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 are going down to see Aunt Dolores you know and um shit like that and uh you know I can remember mom and dad cause my dad was well connected therefore when a lot you know Galveston was a huge port ships coming and going and I remember a lot of times these captains and these ships would come in and they, man, they'd they hit the old one of the old man's clubs and hell next thing you know we're at the at the ship in the captain's dining area and dude it, it was just uh, it was wild
0: so you grew up in a in a Goodfellas film
1: uh, yeah you know uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump ahead a few years now again I'm probably gonna piss some family off but my aunt my dad's sister last surviving sister who passed away back in 10 uh, Bernice and her husband Hobart they were up on the Alaskan pipeline when that thing was going rocking hard and heavy. Now, coming from the family that I come from, you can only imagine where this is fixing to go. My uncle was running crooked ass gambling up there in Alaska, and my aunt was a madam of house there on the pipeline. Uh, I remember when they came back, uh, Uncle Hobart got a hold of the old man and needed some help lifting a safe out of the back of the station wagon. Needless to say, they got this big ass safe out of the back and this bastard is packed full of money. Just, just packed from top to bottom, front to back. You you couldn't, you couldn't have squeezed the diamond. Uh, the aunt, I'd always heard this story and my cousin Billy verified the damn thing. uh, I always heard the story that when they came back, my aunt was wearing the damn coat. Now, this big full-length mink. Now, there was nothing for her to go drop 10 dollars $20,000 on a mink at any given minute. I, I, dude, I mean, uh, you come from nothing. You got more money than God. So we're sitting there, and while we're talking about this, I told Billy, you know, I said, hey, man, you know, look, I remember the damn old man going and helping Hobart with the safe. And I said, but I always heard about Aunt Bernice with this full length mink. And he said, yeah, now mind you, my aunt was four foot 11. He said, the mink for the fur weighed more than she did. He said, and when they got it in the house, she started cutting the liner out of it. And it was packed full of money.
0: Jesus Christ.
1: <laughs> Man, you know, <laughs> and shit like that. I mean, um, we moved from Galveston Island when I was thirteen. Moved out and uh, moved up to the northeast Texas. We'd go back shit three, four times a year. Now, my, now, mind you, I'm thirteen, going on fourteen. It was nothing for me to sit at the bar of my aunt uncle's club and drink beer. Yeah, I mean, that's just where it was yes, what it was. I mean, it's just the way it was. I mean, hell, one night a fight breaks out. They're in the club and my aunt, shit, man, she was, she was the toughest bouncer that I knew. Guy ends up pulling a gun. She went flying across that club, smacks the fuck out of this guy, takes the pistol away from him, and then run both their asses out of the club. So, I mean, you know, it was just shit like that on the regular that any, anything is possible at any given minute With my family
0: Jesus Christ And uh, you said you've been watching my podcast for a while
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah
0: So so as you know I uh, I take a lot of piss breaks Which is what I'm going to do right now <laughs> <laughs> Do your thing <laughs> Yeah. Can you, uh, can you monologue <laughs> for like 30 seconds Tell them how you found the podcast
1: Hey, hey man, so look here uh, My boy, I say my boy Good friend of mine, Dale Comstock Uh Seen it on, seen it on his, uh, his Facebook page. You know, he's going to be on Tommy's. So I jumped over there and started looking. I was like, damn, got Comstock. You got Joe Teddy, And, you know, so I started going back and back and further and further. And hell, yeah, we got astronauts. we got everybody. So, you know, anybody that really wants to reach out there and get a feel for not your normal cookie cutter guest this is the place to go. That's all I got to say. You can't find a better non-scripted interviewer than Tommy. He's he's by far. I'm gonna say probably one of the top five guys out there with podcasts, and uh, you know he's doing it on doing it on the on the uh, on the up and up. I mean, he you know he doesn't uh, candy coat things, sugar coat. And that's what we need more of. We need more guys. And we're going to have to get Tommy. Let's you know what? Let's start a GoFundMe for Tommy. Get him some Depends or something. <laughs> that way, we're not having to worry about it. dealing with a damn uh, piss break. <laughs> what and are you saying? I said, uh, why don't we get a pie? Why don't we get a. Uh, GoFundMe going for you and we'll get you some get the pen get maybe get to sp- yeah, I've get been very
0: I've been very good about it lately I've been very good about not drinking tons of because it's not even that I have like a bad bladder I just fucking drink like 12 of these before you so I've been oh getting better oh god I've been, I've been doing my mom said since I was two years old I've always been drinking I just I just I stay hydrated you, and I won't apologize well but
1: I do the same thing you know and my wife's like Jesus Christ she said do you do you even eat? She goes, You say, how do you put all that food in your stomach and you're sitting there and you drink a half a gallon of tea or a half a gallon of water while you're eating? I'm like, I'm like a camel, you is, know?
0: There is no greater, there's no greater experience as a conscious, sentient, organic being than ingesting water. I don't... Sex is great. Sleep is wonderful. Who doesn't like a hot shower? Drinking water, it's... It's Nirvana. It's right there. It's we're seventy percent fucking water, and I just <laughs> yeah. may, maybe maybe doing a podcast isn't the best profession to choose as someone that drinks as much water. I've been getting better about it. I've been drinking less before podcasts, but ultimately, you know, I don't give a fuck. To, it's I piss, and uh, everyone else can go eat a dick. So well, so <laughs> it's what you. So what you were saying to me in a text earlier or yesterday was so you you now now you're working in secure. can you go back to you said something about um was it was it pemex, P-E-M-E-X? P-M-E-X. P-M-E-X. what is P-M-E-X. what is that p-e-m-e-x
1: okay p-e-m-e-x uh, data mexico you know there's no uh no exxon no mobile no anything it's nationalized down there so p-e-m-e-x is the only gas supplier only oil supplier i mean that That's it. That That is the shit right there. So if you're getting anything from anybody down in Mexico other than that, you're probably going to wind up in a fat blast. Yeah. But uh, let's see, this is 2021. Back in 2017, got a call, which now, mind you, I started doing bodyguard work, security work. Around two thousand one, man. That's you know that that's a whole whole big thing right there for me. Um, that's about seventeen. you Get the phone calls. That, hey, man, look, you're interested in you know going on a contract? I'm like, yeah, man. You know, hell yeah, I'm interested in going on one. I've never that. That's what you know. Everybody trains for shit. You know, Ronnie Coleman trained to be Mr. Olympia. Yeah. He, he reached that number. But wait, uh, you know. But that, yeah,
0: yeah. Everybody wants to be a bodybuilder, yeah, but ain't nobody, nobody wants to lift his heavy ass Lightweight, yeah, buddy, yeah, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, I was gonna, but, I was gonna, I was gonna say to interrupt because, I mean, you're, no. you're you're a built fucking dude. How old are you?
1: Oh uh, uh, shit, man, I'll be fifty
0: eight this October. And, okay, and you're built like a fucking tank. So, <laughs> well, you know, I, training dude, for something along it. the lines.
1: Well, that's one of the things. I guess I've been fortunate enough. Uh, believe it or not, not only was my mama, uh, I hate to say this, but a big hoe, but you know, she, uh, she's a worker. Uh,
0: she happened to be, hey, hey, if yes. I was a, guess what? If I was a hot girl, I wouldn't be doing a fucking podcast.
1: That's, I'd be a
0: wall street. <laughs> I'd be a wall street girl of the evening. You bet your ass. I would.
1: That, hey, you know what? What's the shit? Two of the greatest commodities in the world are time and, uh, Money, money. You know, and uh, and uh, pussy. So, yeah, like, who gives a fuck, dude? Get, yeah, get that bread. Who gives that, a shit? You know what? You can't buy more time, but you can always buy more pussy. So
0: uh, provide the good, provide the supply that's it. for the demand, and get your money. So don't don't say your mom's a hoe. Your mom's a businesswoman.
1: There, well, you know, there you go. So, no, um, dude, I got into powerlifting shit back. Uh, we'll we'll get over the P Max thing, but no, I got into powerlifting about Uh nineteen ninety one. I I mentioned some other things to you in the text messages, you know, giving you a little bit about my history. And I was in the gun business from 1989 to 2001. I always carried a 1911. Now, as you know, Dale Comstock's probably going to hear this, and he's going to break my balls for what I'm about to say, but, you know, Three famous words that every fucking guy has and gets him into more trouble is, I got this. So I'm carrying this fucking 1911 loaded, half-cocked. Now, 1911, you carry it cocked and locked, or you don't have one in the chamber, which is nothing more than a goddamn three-pound Frisbee, as far as I'm concerned mm-hmm. at that point. My pistol's laying in the seat, loaded, half-cocked, as so much hammer dropped. Forty-five goes through my thigh out by my kneecap. Right? Six months. Six months later, dude, I'm back in the gym, and I'm—I've made it my goal that I would never ever be physically at the point of—I'm uh, I'm not going to be a weak person. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Incapacitated. Yeah. So, um, needless to say, man, like I said, I got into powerlifting, and you know, I've done it off and on. The only person I compete against is myself i set goals i hit the goal I exceed it then i set another one it's just just you know it's the way most guys are look at yourself you set a goal for yourself with your podcast and i mean look at where you're at right now you're you're kicking ass dude. i mean there's no other way of putting it. Thank you. i mean nobody out there has fucking guessed that you've got and uh man, seriously i mean thank you, you. Uh, dude, you don't, know, you do, seriously. I mean, you, you know, you don't have all these sponsors and this, this goddamn, these parameters that you got to stay within because I'm going to lose, you know, Aunt Jemima or I'm going to lose yeah. Uncle Ben's. Yeah. Or Disney yeah, well, fuck Disney. yeah. But, you know, that's a, that's a whole other thing. You know, I just kiss yeah. my ass. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. So let's, let's get on over to p Yeah. So we get there. And when we do, um, to start training, and for a solid year. Now, friend of mine, uh, I'm gonna throw his name on out there because I'm gonna tell him about your podcast. I'm gonna get you some more. I'm gonna get you some more followers, bro. Thanks, man. And um, Ken Brown, this guy here he is Marine veteran, kind of one of them guys that same thing, set his mind to shit, and uh, you know, went through Whips program in his mid early to mid 40s. Uh, he was uh with. God damn it! Hell, he's done security work for Biden, Hillary Clinton, Pelosi, all of them. But he worked the State Department. But I'm trying to think it, what the D,
0: D, is it DSS?
1: Something like that. I, yeah, I had on a
0: I had on a guy. Um, well, fuck now, I can't remember his name. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but you know, he worked in the the State Department, and it was some yeah, it was something yes. called it's 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 not the Secret Service, but it's like. It's basically the Secret Service, kind of.
1: Yeah, these guys have yeah. serious. Clear- okay, now I remember who he was worked for. He was worked for uh, Ambassador Stevens. Okay, when uh, when uh, when Chris was over in uh, Jerusalem. Okay. So uh, his call sign is Tex. So Tex goes back and forth. They're going from Jerusalem, Gaza Strip. They're going back and forth, back and forth. But anyway, he contacts me, and you know, I've trained with him pretty damn good bit. And he said, you know, hey, look got something for you. And uh, we got another friend that uh, uh, they contacted. He goes by call sign Tweaker. And uh, so, you got to mind, Tweaker's about 6'2", about 3.30. Now it's a big boy. This son of a bitch is faster on his feet than most guys that are 6'2", 175. I mean, he's fucking just light on his feet for such a big guy. But anyway, we trained for, Tommy, we trained for a solid year. I mean, Every Saturday, Sunday, we're putting at least between nine millimeter and, and five, five, six. We're probably putting three to four thousand rounds down range every Saturday and Sunday. That's each one of us. Uh, we had another another uh, Marine veteran, Brandon Nix. He went by man candy. That was his call sign, man, man candy. candy. Pretty, pretty, yeah, pretty boy, man. You know, got some beautiful hair and the beard. You know, the the contractor beard. I yeah. mean, you know, he, he's he's rocking that
0: man shit. Candy.
1: So yeah, man, candy. <laughs> so you know, we all uh, we we worked our asses off, and um, Tier One Special Missions Group was the company that we were going to work for. Now, mind you, I never could I imagine. Being on the level of a Dale Comstock or a Joe Teddie—that's that's never going to happen. They're, but they're not, you kidding. know. Well, dude, they're they're gods among men. I mean, yeah, they're, that's, they're, <laughs> those guys are just they're not, the shit. They're
0: fucking, it's dude, they're they're on a different. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, they're on a no. I I got to go shooting with them a couple months ago, and they're. It feels like you're playing a video game. You're like, no one's supposed to be able to, like, know this much shit and handle weapons this well and know every little thing, pick up any weapon. Oh, yeah, this is the way you got to do this. You want to do that? You tell them you want to do this? And it's just like, you know, what I think of is, yeah, you pull and shoot. They're like, there's 27 basic steps. And I'm like, what? But, sorry, go on. Yeah, no, they're predators.
1: No, 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 that's all right. That's right. So, you know, um, weird shit, man. Like I said, I was in the gun business for uh. Twelve years, and in that time, uh, I acquired a lot of personal weapons. I've got an M16 that a U.S. Marshal was carrying the day that Vicki Weaver was killed. He was carrying it up on, carrying it at Ruby Ridge. (laughs) So, uh, I've got that gun in my in my vault. But anyway, let's kick it over. Um, Due to ITAR, which is the weapons you can't carry weapons from one country to another country, and all this bullshit. So all the damn hard work and training we've done for that solid year, we're getting ready. We go down to Houston. Uh, we talk to the project manager, deputy project manager, who happened to be Ken Tex. And, uh, man, we're good to go. You know, they're looking. It's like a $40 million a year deal. There's 1,200 of us going, and out of that 1,200, there was two civilians. It was me, myself, you know, myself, and uh tweaker. So we're like, fuck yeah. You know, we've busted our asses. And then we get a call one weekend and said, hey, man, you know, we pulled the plug. Uh P-Mex wants to cut the security force in half. So just to give you an example, we had 7,000 square miles we were going to cover. You had Delta veterans. You had SEAL veterans. You had PJs, uh, recon. I mean, anybody who was anybody. In special forces that had gotten out, they were going to be coming into this shit. And uh, what it boiled down to was on the on the rigs, there was going to be two U.S. advisors and ten Filipino Marines guarding this. Well, PMEX wanted to kick it back to one U.S. advisor and ten Mexican nationals, all armed up with M16s. And I was like, "Fuck, man! You know, here we are." Busting our asses, and you mean to tell me that we're going to have thieves policing the thieves? And Tech said, Man, look, he said, I'm pulling the plug. And I would say probably 99.5% of those 1,200 that were going were all contacts of his through the years of him being doing State Department shit. So it ended up pulling the plug. But in the meantime, you know, hell, man, I, you know, I had the good opportunity to, to do a lot of personal. Details and things, and uh, I can't you know, I can't really complain about life, man. It's been good, yeah.
0: And what is so, and what are you doing now? You said you're doing security what my, in Texas.
1: I, yeah, uh, currently, right now, I'm in the process of trying to get my security license. Uh, this is gonna be a big surprise for people. Well, what see, Texas is going to end up legalizing marijuana. There's no Mm -hmm. or buts about it. Hey, look, dude, I'm cool with it. It's just like I've always said, and I've told people, until it's legal, it's illegal. If you're going to smoke this shit, do it at home. Don't be driving around with a quarter pound of damn weed in your damn console, and when you get pulled over, you're pissed off at the world because you're going to jail.
0: Yeah.
1: So um, Colorado, now here's the thing. Even though it's legal in the states, it's not legal federally. So the money that comes from the profit off of selling marijuana or have these dispensaries, or what have you, you can't put it in a regular bank. Anything that's federally insured, if you put that money in there, they're going to come down on top of you like a ton of lead. Now you got the feds involved. So what we're looking at is uh, trying to acquire a damn <laughs> bank that was closed. Find one that's been closed, and get it in a uh, armored, armored uh, SUVs. Transporting marijuana, transporting money.
0: When you Providing, said sorry, when you said find one that's closed, no. I, I I had a brain. Find what? What's find what that's closed?
1: Uh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, a, a, bank? a bank. Find a an bank. Old bank. Yeah, a bank is, yeah, Okay. Yes.
0: yes. yes. Yeah. Big old you, know, you
1: got your Yeah. Yes. There you go. There you go. Okay. And um, uh, you know, there there's shit, Colorado that's where I first got the idea when Colorado started doing it. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, well, sometimes I have a tendency of procrastinating and this is one of those instances. But now I'm like, you know, shit ain't getting no damn younger. Money ain't going to be coming, coming at me like it used to. So, uh, yeah, it's time to, time to make some moves and try to, try to, try to get some shit going.
0: Now, um, fun note uh i had on a guest who was an armored truck driver i don't know if that would help i could put you in touch with him i don't know if that would help hey, any
1: dude, hey dude look you know what if he's from here in texas absolutely
0: i have no absolutely idea. i have no idea where he's from i don't know if he would just be of any help well, i don't think he does it anymore well, he retired from it but
1: well speaking of arm- armored drivers did you see the video of the dude that was I, hauling
0: the damn iphones i i did the south africa <laughs> yes yeah i, I fucking I, know, but... I, I reached out to i reached out to the company he works for and uh um i forget what his name is but i, I reached out to, and i tried i wanted to get him on the podcast and i talked to like their secretary or something and i was talking to them and then they just kind of stopped responding and i didn't Which i mean 99 percent of guests do th- no one sees behind all the scenes a lot of guests do just end up ghosting me right. i later saw that um that he was getting death threats his family was getting death threats so i think they put him into wit sex. so i realized like oh he probably right. doesn't probably doesn't want to do the podcast but yeah no i did well, the video yeah
1: that was that dude that dude had that ball that dude had balls the size of church bells yeah, man, man. <laughs> this son of a bitch was getting after it yeah um but you know um i'm gonna throw something at you you know look here you know we're getting back on let's get you know let's i'm gonna go back to my old man for sure. a second so Um, me and my mom and dad are down downtown Galveston they had tore out a lot of the old old district down there and what is now American National Bank building was big massive empty just empty field down through there so me and the old man and the old lady which that's what I've always referred to them as is old man and old lady Mm -hmm. and uh, we're walking down through there and I'm 6 six-ish, seven-ish, somewhere around there. We're walking down through there, and there was some, uh, yeah hell, I'm trying to see how to put this without being, sounding like a schmuck. Um, I held over there. There was six or seven young black guys. Now, I know this is probably, oh, God, you know, here we go with the racist bullshit. But anyway, they were, we're walking down through there. It's in three, four in the afternoon. And, uh, one of, them, one of them yelled, Hey, fuck you, old white motherfucker. Dad looked at the old lady and the old lady looked at him. He goes, What did he just say? An old man hollers at him. And when he did, he yelled it back out of nowhere. He draws out a 38 super. He carried a 1911 38 super. He draws that son of a child downtown Galveston and he starts lighting her ass up. Wait, now.
0: Wait, Who who pulled the gun?
1: My dad. The old man did. The old man pulls the gun out. Starts shooting at him. Starts shooting at him. Oh yeah, dude! That, Jesus I'm telling you. Christ. Hey, you look. The old man, old lady. We're at church one Sunday. Very seldom did my dad go to church. Sure. Not that he wasn't a religious person, sure. but he he'd go occasionally. <laughs> I was an altar boy, believe it or not. I mean, oh, that so might be a hard So was I. <laughs> hey, look at where we're at now. Hey, man. <laughs> and uh, so, big church hall, people everywhere in it. They're having a church board meeting, and the old man's sitting there, and I could see he's sitting there just tapping his leg, tapping his leg. Whenever he started that shit, he generally had something on his mind. Of, you know, well, Tony Chook was a, president of the church board. Out of nowhere, the old man stands. he said, Tony said, Does anybody got anything they want to say before we adjourn the meeting? The old man stands up, he said, you know, said, yeah, he said, as a matter of fact, I do. He said, you and that fucking puppet old lady of yours, he said, have stole enough money from this church, he said, and that shit ends now. He go, and about that time I looked, an old man sitting there with this big ass K-bar knife in his hand. He said, Me and you walking into the alley, Tony, and I'm coming back. Well, at this point, my mother, my aunt, shit, three of my aunts, a couple of the uncles, they grabbed the old man. It was like grabbing a bull. And I was like, God damn, you know, is my old man crazy or what? Which, again, at that age, I had no I really had no idea what he did.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, you know, it was shit like that. And then uh, I was, Oh God, buddy. I was about thirteen, fourteen when we moved up here. Now mind you, manners was well manners was everything for the for the old man.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, respect and manners. It didn't matter. Black, white, brown, man, woman, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no ma'am.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh we're sitting at the dinner table, the old lady sat to the right of him. He sat at the head of the table. I sat to the left. You know, you could offer me a million dollars right now to tell you what I popped off at mom at the dinner table. All I remember is seeing this big ass giant hand coming through the air with this vapor trail behind it. And dude, I pushed away from the table and hit the ground on my back. I'm like, yo, fuck. I died. I dodged that bullet. Well, by the time I hit the ground, he had done stood up and he done kicked me in my ribs three times. Jesus. And he told me, he said, get your ass up, boy. And I'm laying there trying to get my breath, and I'm shaking my head. No, he said, get your ass up. I shook my head no again. He said, I don't understand sign language. He said, get your ass up. I get up. He said, I'm going to tell you one time and one time only. If you ever mouth at your mama like you did just then, he said, I'm going to take you outside. I'm going to treat you like the grown man you think you are.
0: Oh, fuck.
1: Now now let, let's fast forward about four years. Senior in high school.
0: Your audio your audio cut out. There you I, go. I had a call
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Uh I'll i weigh hell. At this point I'm weighing shit one forty, you know. Hell I got some hair on my chest, got a full beard, you know, hell, I'm grown ass man. The old man, he he was pretty sick. Uh He didn't believe in doctors, so trying to get him to go to the doctor was impossible. But again, let's go back. You know, I'm standing there in the house, and he's in his his recliner. And Tommy, you know, sometimes you let your mouth overload your ass. And this was one of those cases. I'm sitting there just busting them gums up and down 90 miles an hour. He's sick. He ain't going to do shit. He gets up out of his easy chair. He doesn't say anything to me. He walks right by me, just nonchalantly. He walks over to the kitchen, opens the drawer up, gets an ice pick out, and came straight at me. My mother grabs it, and she tells me, she said, you get the fuck out of this house, and don't you come back till tomorrow. I was 17 years old when that shit happened. I was 35 years old when my old man passed. That incident was never mentioned and you know something that ice pick still sits in that drawer to this day as a reminder as a reminder <laughs> that respect is everything
0: yeah yeah it's you know i I had, th- I had three brothers and uh i think we i think it was probably s- s- same thing respect is everything and yeah you know i was you know i was a jackass teenager but I can only imagine if I ever pushed my dad's buttons I would have I would have paid for it. I never did. I never found out. I never uh I never called his bluff, but I didn't need to because same thing. It's I I, I think it was implied that uh that we showed my mom with respect. And we showed my mom respect and we showed my dad respect. And Absolutely. You know Absolutely. It's like we've never nuked North Korea. But it's been implied for the last seventy-five years. If they pop off, we're gonna treat yeah, yeah. them like the we're gonna treat them like the first-world country that they think they are, right?
1: So, exactly. You know. So so let's let's not uh, you know let's let's not cross the DMZ and see.
0: Yeah, exactly. See. Exactly. So whereas so, as, gonna so whereas you went across the DMZ and got your ass kicked, I I saw the DMZ, and I never went across it. But I can only imagine there would have been – and hey, I've said on this podcast, and I will argue it, I have the greatest two parents in the world. Incredibly strict, incredibly tough on us, but I have the greatest two parents in the world. I would never – to this day, I would never challenge my dad. Motherfucker, rip my head off.
1: Dude, I'm going to tell you what. And, and this is coming from someone that lost his dad, you know, back in '97, and and that that one right there, that that's the one that punched me in the gut the hardest. Uh, me and my mom, we, we you know, parents relationships and everything. Uh, my mother was a raging alcoholic, sure. So growing up, that was one of the things my dad left the life he was in and went into construction. So uh, it was. Um, it was a hard thing, man. And you know, uh the only days that I didn't get my ass beat black and blue was Saturday and Sunday, was because the old man was home. Uh the rest of the time she was she was drunk. And you know, and don't get me wrong, I love my mother. Sure. I love her to death. Sure. Uh same same with my dad. Like I said, their backgrounds have no bearing on on my love for them. Sure. But, uh, you know, these kids, this day and time, they don't they don't fucking have a have a respect for their parents. It's a it's a uh, it's a friendship relationship. And
0: yeah, that's one thing I always remember my mom saying when we were growing up. and I didn't understand it. when she would be, you know, when I'd be like, how come I can't go over to that house for a sleepover or something? I'd be like 14. And she'd be like, because they're they're friends with their parents. Right, And I was like, I just took it as I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I love my parents. And it was like, they're friends with their parents, right? Me and Dale are friends. Right. Me and someone else on Delta or us or one of the people working for him, they're not his friends. They're they're under him. Right. My parents love it. their love is infinite. When growing up, we I would say now I'm friends with my parents more. I would say it's much more friendly now. Not to say it was ever un- unenjoyable, but yeah, it's a friendship, buddy, buddy, versus growing up. It was very, yeah, infinite love, but also like you never, you were never an inch away from walking over the DMZ.
1: Right. Oh, absolutely. You know, but you know what? That's, uh,
0: So for everybody listening, we had a private conversation towards the end. And uh, for uh, my own privacy reasons, as well as his, just personal kind of emotional shit, life's shit. Going to cut that out. No need for it to be because it's it's not fair. He and I can talk about this shit. It's not fair to our family members. So that's not going to be up. But the first half of the conversation will be. And Mr. J.R. Kessel is going to come on here for a part two. And we're going to go into the other insane stories he has. And um, fuck yeah, brother. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: Hey man, thank you for inviting me. I Absolutely. really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. I'm man. you know glad glad that somebody got the uh, actual exclusive on this shit because uh, never discussed it.
0: Fuck yeah. Well, hey, let's wrap this bitch up and I'm.